Good evening. How is everybody this evening? Hope you're, you uh, had a good afternoon. Uh, maybe you got a Sunday afternoon nap. I don't know. Those are always nice, uh, especially in my household. Um, they are few and far between. So, um, But if you'll turn with me to the book of Ephesians, and um, as you're turning there, I want to talk to you a little bit about, again, stories from the McWhorter house. Um, you know, a lot of times um, my wife and I find ourselves uh, needing to be doubly sure that we are on the same page uh, because we have so many little ones and uh, they all have different interests. Uh, like, for instance, um, the oldest two, they like horses, so we do horseback riding lessons for them. But then the oldest three have gymnastic lessons, and so that, you know, sometimes we have to make sure that doesn't contradict. And then the younger two, you know, we just got to keep them entertained, And um, but the fourth one, she's wanting to get into cheer because she sees those girls on the football field, and, you know, she's got to, she's got to be like that, and sees them flailing around their pom-poms and all this kind of stuff, and so it's just always something uh, and of course, we've got church on Wednesday night. Um, I, we do worship at the BCM on Tuesday nights, and uh, you know we have different things going on. And then if we're planning to go home to see family on the weekend, you know we have to make sure that that you know clothes are washed and bags are packed, and uh, you know it's just all a mess. Um, but a lot of times um, uh, when you know we're, we've talked about it we've gathered together about it like okay this is what we've got going on this week this 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 you know um you know it's just a lot of um a lot of different things that uh work together and uh finally when the things start going you know like oh wow this is working kind of good well um that's kind of what i want to talk to you about tonight um we're going to be in ephesians chapter four we're going to be talking about how uh the body works together, the body being the body of Christ, the body of the church, um, and then uh, we will um, have a few verses other than that to read. Uh, verse four, or Chapter 4, verse 1, it says this, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, and through all, and in all. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for today, and God, thank you for your word. God, help us to understand this text. Help us to uh, glean just a little bit of truth so that we can apply it to our lives this week and um, for the rest of our lives. God, we love you, and we praise you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so uh, here is Paul. Paul is written to the book or to the church 
at Ephesus. Um, we may mention a, uh, this morning about chapter 2, verse 1, how we talked about, uh, he's mentioned them that you were dead in your sins and trespasses, right? Um, uh, there in 2, verse 1. Um, so he goes on and tell, talking to them like, you have been this, you have done this, but now you are, you are this. Like he's giving them a contrast of who they were without Christ and who they are now with Christ. Um, uh, and then in chapter 3, he goes on to talk a little bit about himself. Now, a lot of times, sometimes you'll see in Paul's letters that he talks about himself a little bit. It kind of seems that he's being very uh, arrogant, but he's really not. Um, he's trying to use himself as, a, as an example uh, to show them uh, the way to live, the way to act. And, um, and, it's, and many times you'll see him in Scripture say, um, follow me as I follow Christ, or uh, come follow my example. Uh, and the reason why he says that is because uh, he, he knows he's a leader. He knows that God has put him in a position of leadership to be able to lead the churches that he helps uh, help start. And um, so, but here's Paul. He writes about a little bit about himself there in chapter 3, but in verse 14, I, w- I want to read verse 14 through 19 uh, just to give you uh, a little background before we jump into actual the, the, the verse that we uh, read earlier. Uh, verse 14 of chapter 3, it says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to the fullness of God. And then he um, uh, jumps into uh, chapter 4 there. And the reason, and so uh, at the beginning of chapter 4, it says, Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you. Now, if I'm a good pastor or preacher or whatever, guy who went to the seminary, I'm, going to, I'm always going to mention the fact that whenever you see therefore, you always ask, what is therefore, therefore? Just the, it's always something I always remembered, okay? Um, what is it there for? Like, why is therefore, why is it there? Uh, and the reason why is because he's mentioning back, he's saying, because of all this stuff that I've just mentioned, okay, I, he talks about how he's a prisoner of Christ, and by the way, he's in prison when he's writing this letter to the Ephesians, right? Uh, so multiple times he talks about he's a prisoner of the Lord or in, in prison or things like that. But he goes on and being, uh, you know, he's mentioning back to the fact that he's uh, telling them that uh, he's praised constantly that he, uh, for these, uh, the, the Ephesian people uh, and the Ephesian church, and that they would be rooted and grounded in Christ's love um, and so that they would know the depth and the height and the length and the width of how great God's love is for them. And so, and he praised that because, therefore, implore, he implores them to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called 
with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. So let's stop there. Uh, He says all that. Therefore, take that depth, that height, that, you know, the vastness of God's love that you see here. Take that and apply it to one another. You know, he says, live uh, to, in a manner, walk in a manner worthy of your calling. And the way that they would do, he's telling them to do that with all humility and gentleness and with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit of the bond of peace. That is what Paul is telling the, the church in Ephesus right now. And, and I think you could really hinge the whole letter here to the Ephesians on this this chapter here because uh, before he's talking about um, how Christ redeemed them and and how we're made alive in Christ and and how uh, he is is the is an example of how God has pulled somebody out of nothing. Remember how Paul was a uh, a murderer, a a persecutor of Christians, uh, and how he has Christ has pulled him out of that, and he's been called to take the gospel to the nations, and he's doing that, and because of that, he's telling them, church, you've got the best way that you can show God's love is by being unified under one thing, and that is under the Spirit of Christ. And that is how God's love can be shown specifically from a local church. Because what does it, seem, what does it look like when a, a local church um, meets every Sunday, uh, you know, have their service and everything like that, but yet there's certain groups of that church that don't even talk to each other. They don't even talk to each other. And, and it gets out. Oh, did you see so-and-so, what they were wearing this morning in church? Did you see what so-and-so did? They didn't even speak to me. It was my birthday today, and they didn't say nothing to me. And there's just bicker and becker and, and, and things like that. And it's all within a local church. What, what kind of example, what kind of... Um, what is that saying to your local community? Not only just immediately around your church, but also... The, the town, the association that you're a part of, what does that say? It says that this church is not unified. This church is not under one, have one mindset. And I think that that's key that he's telling them here uh, that in order for you to be uh, a, a blessing, to, in order to be a, uh, a witness to your community, he's telling this church, he's saying, listen, you've got to be unified under one thing, that is the Spirit. Uh, and he says, uh, preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And then let's keep going here. Verse 4. There is one body and one Spirit, just as also you are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. So back to verse 4 there, it says, There is one body and one spirit, just as also you are called to in one hope of your calling. He's reminding them, church, that there is only one who has called us to redemption. There is only one who calls us in this same call of come and bow before Christ. And that is the Spirit of the Lord. 
you know, uh, y'all have been, I think uh, Chad mentioned that y'all were in Acts, uh, the beginning parts of Acts um, before he uh, had left on his hiatus. Um, and uh, that specifically speaks to that one Lord, Christ telling the, the, the disciples that he's passing on, he's giving them the gift of the Spirit, right? Uh, that is super key, not only in their lives as, um, as apostles, as ones who are going out to, to spread the good news of, the, of Christ, but for us today, that is the one thing that Christ has given us other than uh, salvation. He gives us something that is so important to our lives, our daily lives today, and that is the Spirit, the Spirit of God. Um, and so he says uh, there in the latter part of verse 4, he says, uh, you were called in one hope of your calling. Christ has called us to a life of, uh, of service. You know, we mentioned the, that this morning how um, it doesn't, Christ has completed the work, but yet here we are to be able to live out our lives in a way that is glorifying to God and pleasing to God. And so that one hope of our calling is that one hope of God calling us and God saying, uh, calling us and saying, it is you, it is you who I need to share the gospel with these people. Um, I truly believe that anyone, and I say anyone, meaning from uh, the seven-year-old who accepts Christ and truly understands uh, salvation, all the way to the 98-year-old on their deathbed who uh, calls on the name of the Lord. Every single one of us who calls on him has a purpose in our lives to share the gospel in whatever way that possible. Now, how that is, I have no idea. I'm not God. I can't tell you how God's called you to live out your life. But I can tell you how he's called me to live out my life. And that is, God has called me from the age of nine when I was saved, and he has worked in my life through my ups and downs, my, my turning away from him and my turning back to him, he has called me to live out my life to be a father and to be a leader in my household, but he's also called me to lead college students to God, however that may be, whether it be through feeding them pizza or playing ping pong games and giving them gift cards as prizes, or however that is. It doesn't matter. God has called me to share the love of Jesus through my life. And so what I'm going to do, I'm going to take this word to heart, and I sure hope that you can as well, in saying that I'm going to be unified under one thing. And I pray that we all can be unified under this one thing, and that is the Spirit of God. Because that Spirit of God is, is the only thing that I'm holding on to uh, other than the Word of God um, that is never failing. It never changes. My conscience tells me a lot of things, but the one thing I need to listen to a lot and need to listen to more often to is the Spirit of God. Because a lot of times my conscience tells me what I want to hear. But God, or the Spirit of God tells me what I need to hear. And, uh, and need to do. But then in verse 5, let's keep going. Uh, it says, 
one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And Paul sums it up, his idea here, uh, in the fact that he's telling them that it does that this spirit of God that he's telling us to be unified under, it's not um, it's not uh, something you pay five dollars to and it gives you a fortune, you know, or it's not that little fortune cookie you get at those certain restaurants, right? It's that's not the spirit of God. The spirit of God is God Himself, the one who uh, who is gives us a, an eternal link to God the Father telling us and guiding us and directing us in the way that he would want us to live. And it is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. That is who we put our hope in. That one hope, that one hope of salvation. That's who we put our hope in. And um, um, it's important that he finishes up there. He says, he is over all, through all, and in all. I mean, there's nothing else. I mean, what else could he be other than just everything? He is the one and only thing that we need to be looking to to, to keep uh, on the right path, to keep our um, eyes on him. So with that in mind, if you turn to Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12, uh, and I'm going to read verse uh, starting in verse 1 and continuing... Uh, now, the author of uh, Hebrews, we do not know who the author of Hebrews is, but I think he obviously has the same idea, the same focus of what Paul was trying to tell the, uh, the church at Ephesus here. Verse, uh, verse 1 of chapter 12. Therefore, huh? there, the there it is again. We'll get to that in a second. Since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse 2, here's the important part. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3, for consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You see, um, that therefore uh, in chapter 12 verse 1 is pointing to the fact that he had just mentioned all of these, uh, these uh, quote-unquote heroes of the faith in the Old Testament. He has mentioned uh, Moses, he's mentioned Abraham, He's mentioned um, Jacob and Esau, and he's mentioned uh, all of these, um, I guess you could say, famous people of the Old Testament. And he's telling us that all of these people, all of these things that they have done, where they went and how they did things, uh, it was by faith that they did those things. And all of by faith, those things are counted to them as righteousness. But then he goes on into verse 12 and he says, Therefore, since we have so many people, this great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, so all of these people of the Old Testament, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin so which so easily entangle us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. 
Let us lay aside those things that easily entangle us. Okay, so let's, let's get down and dirty here for a second. We all have sin. We all sin. Some of us more than others. Stephen, no. <laughs> I'm, point, I'm picking on you, brother. Um, we all have sin. But we all have sin that we struggle with more than others. Um, I, don't, I don't have to name them because you know what your sin is. You know what you struggle with. As human beings, it is hard to lay aside those things. But if yet we would just take a little bit of faith, a little bit of strength and courage from Christ, and lay aside those things and run the race that God has set before us, just as these people in, the, in chapter 11 here have, had run their race, and they were before Christ. They didn't have the, the, the Holy Scriptures to look at. But yet they were doing things out of faith in God because they knew He was who He said He was. And it's important that we take uh, courage in that and, and take... Uh, um, encouragement from those uh those lives that he mentions there and run with endurance uh, the race that is set before us but just like he's telling uh, paul tells the ephesians back in uh ephesus or uh, in ephesians the book of ephesians we need to keep our eyes on that one lord that one faith that one baptism that one god who he tells us tells them to keep focused on to be able to do those things. And here the author of uh, Hebrews tells us in verse 2, says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. So just as he mentioned in chapter 11 of, of Hebrews, all these people who had faith and all those things were counted to them as righteousness, well, you know who created the opportunities for them to be able to live out their faith? Jesus the author and perfecter of faith. So people say, oh, Jesus wasn't in the Old Testament. Bull honky. <laughs> I beg to differ. He was there, he was always there, and he always is there. And because he tells us here, the author and perfecter of faith. And then he goes on. Remember what we talked about, how Jesus found it, joyful to be able to do what God told him to do? What does it say here? Who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despised the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. Because there is no other person I want to put my faith and my hope in than the one who has conquered sin and death, the one who is the author and perfecter of faith, that is the one who I want to put my hope, my love, and my joy in. Not in anything in this world. Not in anything that I have done or created or will do. There's only one person I want to put my hope in, and that is in Jesus Christ. And that, going back to Ephesians, is the one thing, that unity of the Spirit that Paul is trying to tell the Ephesians. He's telling them, be unified in that one spirit so that we can share the love of Jesus with other people and we'll be unified while we're doing it. Now, so, like, Stephen, 
is a great musician, and he's a great singer, he's a great uh, music leader. I cannot do that. And he does a great job. But we can be unified in our act because I think that Stephen is doing that for the joy of, his, of, his, of God to please God to, uh, as he's focused on Christ. So in the same way as myself ministering to college students on the campus, I'm doing it to please God, the author and perfecter of my faith. In the same way, so because Stephen's doing that, in his way, in the, the giftings, the spiritual giftings that God's given him, in the same way for me, for the college students, we can be unified under one spirit and under one thing, and that is Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. And so with that being said, there is no other thing that we need to be focused on other than focusing on Jesus Christ as our author and perfecter of our faith. And uh, this uh, is a little extra, and then we'll, we'll uh, leave with this. Um, there's a story in the Old Testament um, in Numbers. Numbers being, you know, that's the, almost, almost the most boringest book in the Bible, right? Uh, numbers is just a bunch of counting, right? You just, they're counting a bunch of people. Uh, and it seems like there's there's nothing that good that comes out of the book of numbers other than there's just a bunch of numbers. But there's many t- there's one time where, um, well, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, wrong book. Um, Moses, Moses was um, he? Well, I I don't know. Anyways, it's in the Bible. It's in the Old Testament. <laughs> I should have done this. Uh, this is reason, this is the reason why I don't do the extra stuff because I I wasn't planning on it. Um, God, uh, the people of Israel were wandering around in the desert and uh, they were complaining. They were uh, wandering around and they were just aimlessly doing things. And um, they started complaining to Moses uh, and to God, and um, because of their um, not relying on God. Uh, God sent uh, serpents, right? You all remember this story? He sent serpents to them, and uh, a lot of people died. A lot of people died. Um, but how did God provide a way out? You all remember this story? Right. There was a snake on the, on the staff, right? And he said, lift it up on high so that everyone could see. Um, and the only way that the snakes would not bite anyone else was what? You, right. You had to look upon that staff. And that was just a foreshadowing of the same way that Jesus would be crucified on a cross on a hill so that everyone could see so that they could be saved. And in the same way, we need to be fixing our eyes on Jesus, the one who has died and crucified, but yet buried and resurrected and defeated sin and death. That is what I want to focus on my life. It's not pleasing other people. It's not um, um, pleasing myself. 
And it, as much as I love my family, it's not even pleasing my family. But I want to please the God of my life, the author and perfecter of my faith. And I pray that we as a church could do the same. And we would be unified in the one spirit, in that one spirit of pleasing the God, the author and perfecter of our faith, so that we can show love to our community. We can show love to our nation. We could show love to our world. And it's only by being unified in that one spirit that we can do that. So let's, uh, with that being said, uh, let's pray. God, we love you. God, we thank you for humbling me. <laughs>